We are in our series, Take the Next Step. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That's Psalm 37, 23. And so this theme is probably one of the most personal themes we've ever had. Because it doesn't matter where you are, you need to take the next step. If you're not born again, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life, you need to take the next step and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the first step and the most important step. And the second step, for some of you, it might be believing that Jesus Christ can actually keep you. He can. And we sang that, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. Aren't you glad He keeps it? You might just need to take the next step in faith and just believe that. Just believe it. But wherever you are, it could be you need to take the next step in any certain area of your life. And we have been studying these different characters in the book of Genesis. And here we are with Jacob and Esau. We saw in Genesis chapter 24 as they were born that, that uh, Rebekah had two nations warring in her. Two different kinds of people. And we have seen very clearly that they represent the carnal man, Esau, and the spiritual man, Jacob. But Jacob wasn't a spiritual man when he was born. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 28, he's running away from home because he has stolen the birthright and Esau is going to kill him. He's running for his life. He doesn't have anything but a pack and a staff. And so he lays down. He doesn't have a pillow, so he uses some rocks. And that night he sees a ladder and angels ascending and descending. They're ascending because they were with him because God was going to protect him. He's going to create a great nation from him. And he got ahead of God, tried to do it his own way, and now he's running for his life. But later on, we learn from the book of John that that ladder is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saw and met Jesus there. That's like when you and I get saved, when we come to the place where we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life. But then, like so many of us, what does he do? Well, he goes to Pedanaram and he tries to marry Rachel and Laban cheats him and tricks him. Imagine that, Jacob being tricked. So he works for seven years for her and gets old cow-eyed Leah. <laughs> works another... <laughs> Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> works another seven years. What we said, you, I mean, you might not have been here when we said it. She had the, the veil on when they were married. And he said, do you, say, do you take this man to be your, your husband? And she said, I do. <laughs> so he finally gets to see her and he goes, oh, no. So he works another seven years and he gets it, the love of his life and... Then he just keeps working. He keeps lying. He keeps stealing. He keeps cheating. He keeps being lied to and being stealing, stolen from, stealing from, and being cheated. And God tells him to go back to Canaan. Head home. Finally, head home. And on the way there, Genesis chapter 32, he meets God. And there he wrestles with God. And we know that's not a good thing. I've heard preachers talk about you've got to wrestle with God. No, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We wrestle against Satan and demons. We submit to God. Prayer is not to change God. Prayer is to change us. And the Bible says that when... And it's Jesus Christ he's wrestling with. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw, when, when he saw that he could not prevail against him, he couldn't get through to that knucklehead. So what had to happen? He had to wound the flesh. Touched the hollow of his thigh, he limped for the rest of his life. Do you know you and I, if we're ever going to see God, we have got to mortify this flesh. We have to. 
We have to. So now, Jacob is going to try and live for God. What's the next thing that happens? Genesis chapter 33. The worldly man comes and tries to draw him back in. Esau comes and says, here, let me lead you. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, if I can't lead you, why don't we let some of my folks just come in and mix with you, infiltrate? He says, no. So they end up away. The first thing that happens is the worldly man comes. Genesis 34, we haven't looked at. I hope that you'll take the time to read that on your own. But his daughter Dinah, many times when a person comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, they finally surrender themselves. Their children are already grown. And the grown children choose not to serve the Lord. How many of you know somebody that's happened to? That's a heartbreaking thing. And that's what happens. Dinah takes off. She ends up being defiled by a man in the land. Her brothers go in and they trick all of the men and kill them all. So here, the first thing that happens after Jacob decides to get right with God, finally surrenders himself to it, finally admits who he is, the world tries to draw him back in, and now tragedy and shipwreck happens in his home. I can't tell you how many times that happens with people. They decide to serve the Lord. They finally give themselves to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you with my life. I've been saved for a long time, but now I'm going to live for you. And immediately the world tries to draw you in. Immediately. And then trouble comes to the home, and now you've got to decide, am I going to serve the Lord? Am I going to continue serving the Lord? That's where we are. Let's go to Genesis chapter 35. Today, our message is take the next step in worship. Take the next step in worship. Genesis 35, 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that thou appearest unto thee, or that appearest unto thee, when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Now, I want you to see something. God is calling him back to where Jacob first met him. So let's go to Jacob chapter 20. Jacob. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28, so you can see what's going on. Verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. We're in Genesis 28, and now verse 11. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and then the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob." Is that what it says? No, he wasn't Jacob's God yet. See, it doesn't matter if your dad's a Christian. It doesn't matter if your mom's a Christian. It doesn't matter if your grandfather was a deacon in the church. You have to meet God personally. Amen? And so what God is reminding him of, go back to Genesis 35, God is reminding him that 30 years ago he had met him. See, he was 20 years in Padanaram, and then he was 10 years... In Shechem. Ten years. And now God is saying, I want you to go back to the place where you saw me. Back to the place where you first met God. Let's read on. Genesis 35, 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God, 
that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all the earrings that were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us as we study your word. Lord, we need you, and Lord, you know my heart. I, I need this, this. I need to take the next step in worship. So, Father, help me as I try to communicate your word. Father, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice will submit to your word today. Lord, you are so wonderful. You're the famous one that we've been singing about. I pray that you'll speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that I want you to see here in our text is that if you're born again and you want to take that next step in worship, you need to go back to when you were first saved. I remember reading uh, a book called True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. I read this, good night, must be 20 years ago. And he is a man who had been an agnostic. An agnostic is a person that doesn't know whether or not God exists. He became a, a theist, which means he believed in God, and then he became a Christian. Well, as he started learning more and more about the Bible, he started looking around him, and he saw a marked difference between the people and the Bible. How many of you remember when you got saved and you first started realizing that a lot of people that said they were Christians weren't really living it? How many of you remember that? It's kind of shocking, isn't it? Well, that happened to him. And so he said this. He said, I had to rethink my Christianity. So he said, I went all the way back to my agnosticism, and I got the Word of God, and I started trying to determine what true spirituality is. And that's what that book is about. Well, now, what you and I have experienced, how many of you remember? You remember when you got saved. And I'll tell you what, when you first get saved, whatever God tells you to do, you're going to do it. You're going to tell other people. You're just excited. You can't believe that the God of the universe would want to save you. And it was personal. And then all of a sudden, after a little while, it starts to get old. And then you're just living. And like we learned when we got to First Peter, you can live in such a way. It is possible for a person to get saved. They don't add to their faith virtue. They don't add... To, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, long suffering. They don't add those things and they end up living in such a way that they forget that they were ever redeemed. It's possible to get saved and then live in such a way that you forget that you're ever redeemed. Do you know that's what happened to Jacob? He went and lived for all those years trying to get it all done himself. He had made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he walked away. He walked away, just started living his life. Then he meets God. He gets right with God. But now this is different. Now he's telling him he needs to get back to the place where he first trusted in the Lord. I wonder about you. I wonder where your faith is. You raised your hand a minute ago about when you remember, you remember when you first got saved. I wonder if your faith is stronger now or less strong. 
I wonder if your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, your belief in His call and plan for your life, I wonder if it's stronger now or if it's weaker. You know, God wants to do something special in and through you. But I wonder if there was ever a time when you were believing God more, when your faith was stronger, when your walk was more real than it is right now. Do you know what you need to do? You need to get back to Bethel. You need to get back to Bethel. Uh, One man said, we must preach the gospel to ourselves lest we become discouraged. Aren't you glad you're not lost? If you've trusted Him as your Savior, He still loves you. He's still keeping you. And if you're here today, do you know what He's doing? He's calling you back. He wants you to hear it. One of the wonderful things about preaching through a book of the Bible is I didn't say, man, I hope Dalen's going to be here today. Because he really is going to need to hear what I'm going to say today. No. I don't have any idea who's going to walk through those doors. We're just going to say what the book says. And if the shoe fits, put it on. I like what the old preacher said. He said, if your phone's ringing, honey, pick it up. Amen? It could be that God wants to call you back to the place where you were when you first got saved. Then look at what it says. Chapter 35, verse 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. Dwell there. There is a, there is a big difference between worshiping God one hour a week and living with Him. See, a lot of people, they visit God. I remember Brother Willette. We had Brother Willette preach here. I remember a message him, hearing him preach a message, and it may have been on this text. I don't remember, but it was called Just Visiting. Just Visiting. And you know, there are a lot of people that visit the Lord every Sunday. Some people visit the Lord four times a week. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Four times a week they visit God, but they don't live with Him. Now, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what you do for God. I'm not talking about whether you teach a Sunday school lesson, whether you disciple somebody, whether you drive a van, whether you help in junior church, toddler church, work in the nursery, Awana. I'm not talking about what you do for God. How many of you have ever been doing something for God and while you were doing it, you knew you weren't right with God? Yeah. Do you know when it's really a bummer? When I open the book right here and stand before you and read something, and I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be while I'm reading it, it is possible to do anything for God without being right with God. So I'm not talking about, Pastor, you don't understand. I teach a class. I'm here. I work hard. I serve God. Man, I'm glad. Don't stop. I'm not saying that you worship God by stopping those things. <laughs> Amen? What I'm saying, though, is there's going to come a point in your life where that is not your worship. Imagine if Laura said to me, Do you love me? I took out the trash, didn't I? It's Valentine's Day. I'm seeing some shocked looks on some guys' faces. Do you know what Valentine's Day is? 
it is a communist plot by Hallmark cards to get more money from sucker guys. That's what... All right. I told Laura in our Sunday school class, I said, uh, now, I don't want to sound too touchy-feely. She said to me afterwards, you never have to worry about that. (laughs) But imagine, imagine if Laura said, do you love me? And I said, I fixed the garbage disposal, didn't I? Roof's not leaking anymore, is it? How's that going to go over? No. And God says, do you love me? And you say, well, I, I come to church, don't I? I give, don't I? No, see, there's a big difference between what you do for God and how you love Him. And so what God is saying here for us believers, we get saved, we get to the place where we want to serve God. The world starts pulling us back. Tragedy comes into our life. And God says, why don't you just come live with me? Why don't you make me in every moment part of your life? I need thee every hour. That's where God wants us to live. Look what the text says. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee. i got to tell you this. If you're saved, if you've had the opportunity to hear the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ, and you've received it, man, you've got to be thankful for that. You didn't appear to God. He appeared to you. You didn't do anything to get saved. Jesus Christ came. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And that all men included you. And He has drawn you to Himself. And He wants to know you and love you. And He wants you to serve Him and have a life that is just more than coming and sitting through a church service looking at the preacher like this. There's got to be more. You like that case? All right, good. She's listening. That's good. See, there's got to be more to life. We might as well just go and listen to the guy say, My father can beat your father at dominoes. There's more to the Christian life than that. Amen? Mike, I'm sorry, man. It's just what I got. (laughs) All right, now look. Look, he says this. Verse 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appearest unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Do you remember what you were saved from? You're saved from your sin. You are saved from sure death. That's what you're saved from. You need to remember that. How many of you, let me make you vote again, your Christian life at one point or another Your service for the Lord has become a drudgery. Has that ever happened to you? You know what we need to remember? We need to remember what we're saved from. And remember, whatever I'm doing, it sure beats hell. Amen? It really does. I'm just saying. You know what I'm glad for? I'm glad that we can have a peaceful home. I'm glad that sometimes I die to self. And sometimes Laura dies to self. And sometimes we both have to do it at the same time. I'm so thankful that when trouble comes into our home, that we have an answer. We have an answer. But I've got to tell you, that answer doesn't seem evident 
real or powerful when I'm just visiting Bethel? Has it ever happened to you? Something happens in your life? Somebody takes the Word of God and gives you the answer. And here's your response. That won't work. Oh, there's that again. Yeah, don't you know anything but the Bible? What did Paul say? I saved it to know nothing but Christ Jesus and Him crucified. See, we've got to get back to the place where we rested on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have now given Him our lives, and now we say, Lord, I'm not just going to visit you. Yeah, I'm going to go to church, but I'm going to take the relationship that I have with you with me to church. I'm not going to find it there. You know, many of you could actually leave your Bible in your place because that's the time when you open it. We've got to get to the place. Okay, Genesis 35. So he's going to build an altar there. Now look at verse 2. Then then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. If you're going to go back to Bethel and live there, there's some things that have to change. The first thing that you have to do is you have to understand that if you're going to worship God, you can't worship anything else. If you're going to worship God, we're going to take the next step in worship. You can't worship anything else. I want you to get this. I want you to understand it. I want you to get two passages of Scripture and tear out one of the maps or something and put it there for Genesis 35 because we're going to come back. But I want you to get two other passages of Scripture. The first one is Revelation chapter 20 and the other is Exodus chapter 20. Revelation 20 and Exodus 20. The more you study the Bible and compare Scripture with Scripture, the more often you'll see similarities like that, chapter 20 and chapter 20. It's just wonderful the way that God's done that for us. Those chapter references are not inspired. They were put there by men. Okay. Um, Revelation chapter 20. Verse 11. Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand, and I want you to mark this word, before God. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Keep your place there. Go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Will you mark that word before? Here's the way that we read that verse. We can't have any... We, we can have other gods as long as they're not higher than the one true God. We can have other things that we worship 
as long as we don't put them before God. Back at Revelation, I wonder, and I saw the dead, verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. How many of you think, how many of you think that there was anybody there higher than God? Anyone there more powerful than God? Anyone there more deserving of worship than God? See, the thing about it is, all of those people that were being judged were before Him. They were within His sight. They were under His judgment. And they were all under His condemnation because there's only one verdict for those standing at the great white throne judgment. And that is the lake of fire, eternal judgment, separation from God. You see, when the Bible says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, that means that there should be nothing in our lives that we love, honor, and respect that is worthy of God's judgment. What are you talking about, Pastor? Notice that Jacob in Genesis chapter 35, let's go back there. Verse 2, Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you. And you're thinking, Pastor, I don't worship Buddha. Uh, I'm not bowing down before statues and worshiping them. It doesn't say to put away your false religion. It's not what it says. It says to put away your gods Worship is anything that you love, honor, and respect, and humble yourself toward. That's what worship is. James Knox said, worship is to respect and honor with love and sacrifice. To respect and honor with love and sacrifice. That's worship. Worship is what we give to something. Well, what can we worship? Well, we can worship self. We can worship self. It's amazing how many people stop serving the Lord because somebody hurt their feelings. How do you hurt a dead person? How do you do that? we got some undertakers here. Have you had one yell back at you yet? No. <laughs> Let me know when that happens. I, I want to see that. It, it's not going to happen. The Bible says that we are supposed to be dead to self. But we worship self. We, we are so important that if you hurt my feelings, I'm going to stop serving. If something's not just right, I'm going to stop serving. We put that before our worship to God. We worship self. You know there are people that worship sports? I'm just telling you. They spend thousands and thousands of dollars and spend hours and hours and hours. And if you ask them to memorize three verses for a discipleship lesson, they melt down. You're a legalist. No, you just love sports more than you love God. How about, I must just start naming stuff just to make people mad. How about hunting? How about golf? <laughs> How about video games? How about your yard? How about your garden? What are some other things that people do? How about your guns? 
Pastor Nathan. <laughs> how about your job? Uh, and how about your career? How about your calling? How about your family? Do you understand that all of these things can be God's in our lives? Are you saying I'm not supposed to love my family? Not more than God. You're saying I shouldn't play sports? I love sports. I played sports all my life. I watch it. You know, I've got ESPN on my phone. I'm not saying that you don't. But I wonder how much time the average man spends in the Word of God or in spiritual life compared to the ball games, the hunting, the, the working on cars, and a hush fell on the congregation. It's hard. It is really hard when the Word of God deals with us individually. Amen? I'm just telling you, you can have somebody at a ball game screaming and freaking out, and they fit right in. Amen? I mean, you can paint yourself blue, right? But if somebody says amen in church, they're a fanatic, they're crazy, they're weird. I'm just telling you, the Super Bowl did not change New Orleans. How many of you heard, this is going to be so good for the people of New Orleans? How? Do you think God could do something with New Orleans? Do you think if people fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and began worshiping Him instead of the booze and debauchery and immorality and crime and filth that is that place? Do you think maybe God could do something there? What if the Christians there loved God more than they loved the sport world, sports world? Can you imagine the debauchery, the debauchery of Mardi Gras in the middle of the Bible Belt? And a bunch of Christians in there doing their thing with them. <laughs> it's crazy. And then when the preacher stands up and says, if you're going to live with God, you got to get rid of that stuff. you got to put away those strange gods. People say, man, that, that, yeah, they're, a church, they're, just, they're just too extreme for me. Those strange gods get in the way, don't they? They get in the way. Look at what it says. Then Jacob said unto his household, verse 2, And to all that were with him, put away the strange... Oh, let's do this. Go to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44. Verse 6. I'm just, you know that there are people who don't have time to study the Bible because it's hunting season? Man, it's quiet in here. You know that there are people who don't have time to study the Bible because it's golf season or because they've got to get the garden out? All right. Verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Here you have the, the deity of Christ. God the Father, God the Son, the Redeemer. All right. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me, there is no 
God. Amen? There is nothing that we should love and respect with sacrifice like we do the one true God. Look at, look at uh, Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Verse 14. How about this? This is, gonna, this is a wild passage of Scripture. We know part of it. Some of us have it. I've got it in my sidewalk at home, in front of the house. Verse 14. Joshua 24, 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Does that sound anything like Genesis chapter 35? Yeah. Yeah. Now look at what it says. Verse 15. And if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, why was he saying that? Probably because the looks the people were giving him when he told them to put away their strange gods. Kind of like the looks I got when I said, how many of you can't read the Bible when it's hunting season? All right. I hope everybody's got a Bible. Look at, your, look at the Word right now. Verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What is Joshua doing? He is establishing a priority for his home. Amen? Dads, you've got to set a priority for your home. What is going to be the priority? The worship of the Lord. The living for the Lord. Or are you going to pull your kids out of church for six months so they can play tiddlywinks? We were watching last night before we went to bed some of those Olympics things. And there's this girl skiing with a torn ACL. Did anybody see that? She's skiing moguls. With torn ACL. And Laura said, why would anybody want to do that? Because they worship it through sacrifice. Sorry, preacher, can't come to church today. I just have a little headache. I'm supposed to teach the class today, but oh, those kids... Some of those kids just have to go to hell. My toe hurts. Now look. Verse 16. They give the right answer. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God... It is He it is that brought us up out of our fathers and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. They're giving the right answers. Oh, preacher, yeah, yeah I, I, I like to do this stuff, but I love God more. Look at verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord. 
Imagine that. Nathan, he says, serve the Lord. Nathan answers and says, okay, I'll serve the Lord. You can't. Why? They're saying the right stuff. They're saying the right thing. They have the right answers. They know exactly what the Bible says about a lot of different things. They can do the religious speak. They know what to say. But now look what the verse says. Verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for He is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods. Then He will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that He hath done you good. Here's what we say. God, I want to serve you, but I still want to live in the world. I want to be eaten up with the world. I want to be eaten up with the flesh. But I'll come on Wednesday night and work in Awana. You'd be amazed at the mess that goes on in people's homes who come into the church house here in Sydney and all over America and act like everything's great and they're serving God. But it's a mess. God says, you cannot serve me until you take those gods and you bury them under the oak tree. Go back to Genesis 35. You look at verse 4. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Why did he take all that stuff? Look at verse 2. And Jacob said unto his household, And to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. Folks, uh, you know what Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, who walked according to the course of this world, according to the power of the prince of the air, the, the spirit that, that now ruleth in the something of darkness. Right? And the Bible says that we, as believers, can walk just like those lost people walk according to the course of this world. That's what it says, right? Here, do you know what the text is saying? Jacob's saying, look, if we're going to go live at Bethel, if we're going to live, live in genuine worship, not just go to church to worship, if we're going to live in worship, there's some things that have to happen. First of all, I've got to get clean i got to get clean. Do you know what that is? That's confession. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why do we have to do that? I thought when we got saved, all of our sins were washed away. They are. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to preach a message called The Difference Between Our Standing and Our State. I stand before Jesus Christ completely clean right now. But in my daily walk, I can be living like the devil. So I've got to confess that. I've got to confess it. What he says is, what the text says is, if you want to live at Bethel, you've got to be clean. And then, change your garments. Now look, some of you are thinking, he put that in there. 
How many, how many of you it says that in your Bible? Would you raise your hand if it says that in your Bible? If you're going to live with God, maybe you ought to change your clothes. You're a legalist. How many of you don't even know what a legalist is? Would you raise your hand? You don't have any idea what a legalist is. Mackenzie, let me tell you what a legalist is. A legalist is a person that says you have to do things to go to heaven. You don't have to do anything to go to heaven except place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But if you're going to live in a state of worship, you've got to be clean and you've got to change your clothes. How many of you know that there's a worldly way to dress? Would you raise your hand if you know that there's a worldly way to dress? I won't ask you to raise your hand if you don't know what the worldly way of dress is. I'm just telling you. If somebody puts piercings all over their body, how many of you think the Holy Spirit had them do that? Somebody marks their body all up with tattoos, puts them all over the place. Somebody has a tattoo on their arm and says, Mom, I don't care. I don't care. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? How many of you think that's godly? I'm just telling you, I see some of these people, they have so many piercings, if they sneeze, I'm afraid I'm going to get hurt. <laughs> you know, you got somebody who's got a wing nut in their jaw and they come in and say, I love Jesus. <laughs> what is that? How about we take those earrings and we bury them under the oak tree? Did I make it up? Did I make it up? Well, pastor, what this is speaking of is a certain type of relic that was used to worship the other gods. Yeah, exactly. The God of this world and this worldly system that determines how we're going to dress to be cool. And I've got to tell you, this is just opinion. The girl, we were at the grocery store the other day, a girl walking in front of us, and she had on these jeans that came down to about right there, and then she had a tight shirt on her, and she had an inner tube. It was shaped just like this. With a white little t-shirt and another shirt that didn't quite cover that. And she looked in the mirror, and she said, I look cute today. Honey, somebody lied to you. Laura had her hair a certain way getting ready the other day. And it's a hairstyle that you'll see movie stars use. And she knows I don't like it. I call it the I'm pretty but want to look ugly hairdo. And they, they do this with their hair. I'm not going to tell you what it is because some of you might wear it that way. And then they take makeup and they put it all around their eyes. And they look like something from Dawn of the Dead. Do you know what Christians need to do? Christians need to change their clothes. Amen? Amen? How about in corporate worship, we don't look like we just got ready for bed or we're going to a ball game. How about we come to worship the God of the ages and everybody in the community knows, you know what, those people are dressed up. I walked into Clancy's the other morning where the elite meet to eat on a Sunday morning. And I'm dressed just like this. The guy looks at me and says, what are you doing today? <laughs> well, I got this thing I do on the weekends. <laughs> what was he saying? There was something different 
about the way that I was dressed. Joby one time told me I look like a used car salesman, but <laughs> I look different than somebody going hunting on Sunday. If we're going to live for God, we're going to look different than the world. Do I, do I need to draw pictures, put up slides? Parents, help your kids. See, I love you guys, okay? So remember that as I say what I'm about to say. I love you guys, okay? <laughs> Annika's going like this. I love you guys. Parents, your kids don't have any sense. They're going to want to look like their friends look so they're not weird. Anybody remember that? Remember that? Uh, I got pictures of myself playing basketball. How many remember jams? Got these jams on. I got this hat on that looked like my jams. My dad needed to tell me, you look stupid. Now listen. All that stuff is fun. I don't care if you want to look silly sometimes. That's not what I'm talking about. But when we look worldly and then we tell people we worship the king, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Okay, now look at this. Then Jacob said unto his household, verse 2, and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods that were, with, that were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob, that doesn't mean they kept the one in their belly button. Okay? And Jacob hid them under the oak which was at Shechem, and they journeyed, now look at this, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. Do you know when you're living for God, the world's going to be scared to death of you? Sometimes we think if we live for God, then, then people are going to bother us. If I take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ at work, then people are going to bother me. No. If you guys take a stand for the Lord at school, the, the, weirdo, the, the, the cool kids will just stop hanging around with you. Then you don't have to worry about what they think about your clothes. Or maybe they'll know that there's something special and you'll have the opportunity to give them the gospel and they can get saved. Or you can just keep living like them and they can go to hell. Either way. See, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the difference between religion and worshiping God. Religion and worshiping God. Now look. You don't, I'm not saying that you've got to change your style to match my style. Short, wide. You can't all do that. It, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a style preference. I'm talking about worldliness and godliness. And we all know what it is. And when we live right, then the world knows that we're different. And all across America, churches are trying to just become just like the world <clears throat> so that they're comfortable when they come in. If you're here today and you're not saved, I hope this is the most uncomfortable thing you've ever sat through. Remember, my job as a preacher of the Word of God is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. 
And I hope that if you're not right with God today, if you don't like what I've said about changing your garments, about putting away your strange gods, then you're just not going to live at Bethel. You're not going to be able to live in a state of worship. And here the simple fact of the matter is, all of us, wherever we are, need to take the next step in worship. Amen? Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word.